بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما الحمد للہ جنائی از دا الیونتھ آف اکٹوبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا ففتھ نائٹ سید خدیجہ بن خوبیل رضی اللہ He mentioned that her age was 28 years. Referred to Ibn Sa'ad in his tabaqat, 8-16 to 17. However, Qalbi was abandoned by the scholars of Hadith. So, there's one report mentioning she was 28, but there's a fatally weak person in the chain. Another report mentions that she was 45 years of age. Refer to Ibn Asakir in his Tariqh Dimishq. However, this report is also da'if, for it goes to Hafiz Waqidi, who was abandoned in a hadith. But his mastery is not rejected in Seer al-Maghazi. So, you get another report mentioning that she is now 45 when she got married. But it goes to Hafiz Waqidi, and of course, he's fatally weak when it comes to a hadith. Hafiz ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah 3-319, he elucidated. This is how Behaki took from Hakim. Her age at the time was 35 years. However, some say 25 years. So two of the great hadith masters, they say some mentioned she was 35 when she got married. Others say she was 25. So, where is the reality? As is but obvious, in view of the fact that she gave our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at most eight children, the report which allots her a younger age seems more accurate. The great Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, she was 28 years of age. and not a day old. This is recorded in Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, volume 1, page 2021, half is Ibn Sayyid al-Nas in his Uyun al-Athar, volume 1, page 118. So the great Ibn Abbas, Tarjaman al-Quran, he was confident that our beloved mother was 28. However, her age being 40 years is the one that is most popular. Because as mentioned, Nafisa radiyallahu she said, at the time of this marriage, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was 25 years old, was Khadija radiyallahu was 40. She was born 15 years before the year of the elephant. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabaqat, volume 1, page 131, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 268 to 9 of the New English Translation. So, We can't say with any certainty what her age was. 
However, if you go strictly by the strength of the ahadith, then it seems to indicate she was around 28 to 30 years of age. And of course, we're not saying that somebody of the age of 40 can't bear eight children. But it's not common. Usually at the age of 40, women don't usually be prolific bearers of children. So you could counter that by saying that it was Rasulullah, his children. So obviously we don't compare normal you know, women married to the greatest of creation. But the family of Khadija, for example, if you look at Abdullah ibn Zubair radiyallahu So Khadija radiyallahu is from Banu Asad. Zubair was her nephew. He's from Banu Asad. One of his children, I think it was his great, great grandson, he said that Khadija was 28. This is recorded in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat. So why is that important to highlight? Because this is family now. So obviously you'll hear it from the nephew. It'll filter down to the son, to the son, to the son. So family, no family best. So it seems to indicate she was around 28 years of age. But if somebody wants to say 40, no problem. It doesn't really take away anything from our beloved mother, Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu. And also she was married twice before. So, and also children from other uh, husbands as well. So, the simple answer is, Allah the Almighty and Glorious knows best. Mm. So, moving on. Married life before the proclamation of prophethood. Mm. Subhanallah. The initial stage of Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu's hope and wish was fulfilled. The destination of Rasulullah's commission as a prophet was still at a distance. The discomfort and unease and waiting for this naturally remained with her. So like I mentioned, going back to the first or second session, she was certain he was going to be the prophet. Seeing the signs and she witnessed the signs. And Maisara mentioned the signs. So how do we know that she was impatient, that she wanted the prophet to proclaim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? For instance, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani in Fat al-Bari, volume 7, page 200, he relates. On one occasion, our beloved Messenger went to Sayyidah Khatija who upon seeing him, immediately embraced him, hugged him, and she thereupon said, May my father and mother be sacrificed for you, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I am not doing this for any ulterior motive. Rather, it is my wish that you will be the prophet who is soon to be commissioned and thus you may remember my right and position. You should also supplicate for me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will commission you. He responded, Ya Khatija, I take an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if I am commissioned, I will then never forget the kindness that you have shown me. And if someone else is made a prophet, you should understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for whom you are doing all this, will never let your deeds go to waste. So this is a very interesting report. So Khatija radiyallahu she hugs him and she's basically you know, you get the impression that she just wants him to proclaim 
he says, you know, it is my wish that you are the Prophet. He goes, don't forget my position. And Rasulullah, obviously, he's not been given permission. So he's speaking. He goes, if it is the case, I will never forget the kindness. And of course, he never did. Now, what's interesting, look at the words he uttered. I will never forget the kindness that you have shown me. So the scholar said, Rasulullah was always truthful. Khatija, she spent all her wealth on Rasulullah. She was the most wealthiest woman. For the sake of Islam, she spent everything. When she passed away, Rasulullah started spending his wealth on her. When her friends came, he would always give them gifts. And look how amazing, he was in Al-Madina. And the friends of Khatija were in Makkah. So this is obviously at the time when that was a you know a week's distance. Or maybe and then he would send gifts because if Khatija's friends were there. So he never forgot because he promised this. And the Prophet very humbly said, This is his humility. If someone else is made a prophet, he goes, You will still not be. Allah will never let the deeds go to waste. So note again, why are these reports important? Because it's not just like one sudden moment. He suddenly becomes a prophet. They, they're talking to each other. They're realizing. And you know the prophet obviously can't mention he is until Allah gives him permission. Shaykh al-Ahadith, Mawlana Muhammad, in this Kandahlubi, he said in Seerat al-Mustafa, volume 3, page 286 of the English translation, Zubair ibn Baqar, rahmatullahi, he relates that Khatija, radiyallah, used to go repeatedly to Wadaqa ibn Nufr, radiyallah, and inquire about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wadaqa radiyallahu who would say, I do not think that he is anyone but the prophet of this nation whose glad tidings Musa and Isa alayhi salatu wa salam gave. So let's look at this. So Zubair ibn Baqar is a, it was a very sound reference in terms of history. Unfortunately, the work has been lost. We've only got references to it now. So, it's an authentic reference. And Khatija, what does it say? She would go again and again to Waraka, her cousin. Why? And she was asking about the Prophet. Meaning, you know, tell me. And what did he say? I think it has to be him. The one whom Musa and Isa gave glad tidings to. So, when was this conversation? This conversation was before Rasulullah proclaimed. And I should have mentioned yesterday, Waraka ibn Nawfal was the cousin of Khatija. Nawfal was uh, a brother of Khawailid. And there was another brother of Khatija. He was also called Nawfal. Nawfal ibn Khawailid. But he was a rotten apple. Nawfal ibn Khawailid Though he was the brother of Khatija radiallahu, he was called by the Quraysh the lion, the lion of the Quraysh. He was very strong in his strength and his personality. And a report mentions that he actually tied up Abu Bakr and Talha radiallahu. Now, why is that interesting? Nawfal ibn Khawailid, he's Banu Asad. Abu Bakr and Talha Abanutain. So the fact that he tied two nobles of another tribe shows he was either very foolish or he was very strong. 
So the historians say he was very strong. The fact that he tied them up. But because of what he was doing, the, the Muslims, some say it was the Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, he changed his name because he's the shaitan of the Quraysh. So what's amazing is this is the brother of Khatija, Nawful ibn Khuwaid. And he fought in the battle of Badr and of all the Sahab, who do you think dispatched him to help? You would have thought that, you know, of all the companions, this one wouldn't go near. Who do you think killed Khatija's brother in the battle of Badr? Who was the mother-in-law of Ali? Very easy question. Who was his mother-in-law? Khatija. Ali killed his mother-in-law's brother. So what does that tell you about Ali? Think about that. He killed his wife's uncle. Right? So this shows that on the battlefield, Ali wasn't bothered. So what shocked me there was, you know, you get this impression that they were fighting family, but they won't, you'd think they won't approach their, you know, near family members. But Badr was unique. So here, what's interesting, Waraka ibn Nawfal. So Waraka Nawfal was the uncle of Khatija. So why is Waraka, why was there a, a nephew called Nawfal? So the response is, Khawailid, his brother, he named one of his sons after his brother. You understand? So one was the uncle of Khatija, called Nawfal. Another was her brother. But I should have mentioned that yesterday, but the reason it escaped my mind was because he wasn't a Muslim. But it is worth pointing out this was Khatija's brother. And that also shows that they, so from such a blessed family, you do get strange characters. So anyway, what does it mention here? So she would keep on going to Waraka, asking him again and again. And he goes, look, it's him. It has to be him. So they were almost, like you said, 99% convinced that he is the final messenger. Another report. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he says, in Al-Isaba, under the biography of Waraka, Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih, Zahabi Sahih. The report says, on one occasion, Khatija went to Waraka and related something about Rasulullah to him. Waraka replied in a poem. So look how interesting. Khatija said something about the Prophet. Waraka started doing poetry. And what did he say? This Khatija comes to me again and again that I may inform her. But I do not have knowledge of the glad tidings of the Unseen. That Jibreel والسلام, will come to Ahmad وسلم, and say, You are commissioned to mankind. I say to her, It is not far fetched to assume that what you are hoping for, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will certainly cause it to take place. You should therefore place your hopes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remain patiently waiting. So in this flawless report, Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, and Ibn Hajar also records it in Ali Isaba. Waraka, you get this impression, he got fed up. So to calm Khatija, he did a poem. He did a poem. 
And what did he say? He goes, Khatija keeps coming to me again and again. He goes, I haven't got knowledge of the Unseen. He goes, she wants me to say that Jibreel has confirmed. And but then he says, Allah Ta'ala will certainly cause it to take place. And he goes, you should therefore place your hopes in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. There are also other lines in this regard wherein our beloved mother's desire and longing can be gauged. Refer to Hafiz Suhaili in his Ar-Rawd Al-Unuf, volume 1, page 125-7. So, all of this, sadly, is strange to many Muslims. When they hear these reports, because why? Because it's not, it doesn't go with the famous narrative. The famous narrative that we've been brought up on is that Rasulullah goes to the cave and slap bang wallop. <coughs> Suddenly he's got the prophethood. He's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He runs bike. So how do you explain all these reports? You understand? You just brush it under the carpet. So the response is, that doesn't seem to be correct, your interpretation there. So here, now another thing, how do we know that Waraka was older than Khatija because they were cousins? The simple clue is when Rasulullah received revelation, how old was Rasulullah? 40. How old was Khatija? Give or take, so she's 23 years old, she was 43. Or if you say, you know, she was, uh, 40, uh, 50, she was 55. Waraka, we know was much older. Why? Because the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari says he was blind. The hadith mentions that. So think about that. So Khatija, she's either 43 or 55. More than likely she was 43. Waraka's blind. So that means there was a big difference in age. Probably about three decades. So she was that kind of an uncle, even though she was the cousin, he was the cousin of Khatija, he was also the uncle figure. And he was comforting her. He goes, look. <laughs> so let's now turn to another section. The blessed children from this unparalleled union. So Hafiz Ibn Katir, he said, in his Sida, volume 1, page 190 of the English translation, Ibn Ishaq, rahmatullah he says, it was Khatija that the Allah who bore all the children of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except for Ibrahim His sons from her were Al-Qasim by whose name he was known Abu Al-Qasim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Al-Tayyib and Al-Tahir were his other sons His daughters were Zainab Ruqiyah Um Kulthu and Fatima so what did the great Ibn Kathir say? How many sons did the Prophet have from Khatija sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He had uh, three. Qasim, Tayyib and Tahir. And he had four daughters. Zainab, Ruqayya, Um Kulthum and Fatima. Three sons, four daughters. According to Ibn Kathir. Rahmatullahi. With regards to their sequence, half is Ibn Kathir further elucidated. In his Sira volume 1, page 190 of the English translation, quote, Ibn Hisham rahmatullah said, The first born of the boys was Al-Qasim, Then came Al-Tayyib, followed by Al-Tahir, The first born girl was Ruqiyah, followed by Zainab, Um Kulthum, 
and Fatima in that order. Radiallahu ta'ala. So, Qasim was the eldest from the boys. Then Al-Tayyib, then Al-Tahir. Amongst the noble daughters, Ruqayya was the oldest according to Ibn Hisham, Ibn Katid. Zainab, second Umm Fatima was the youngest. Another report mentions he had another son, sallallahu alayhi wa called Abdullah, rather than Al-Tayyib and Al-Tahir. So what's strange? Some historians say Qasim, then they mention Abdullah. There's no mention of Tayyib and Tahir. Mus'ab ibn Abdullah al-Zubayri said, the eldest of his sons was Al-Qasim. Then came Zainab, followed by Abdullah. Um Kulthum, Fatima and Ruqayyah The first of his children to pass away was Al-Qasim followed by Abdullah. This is recorded in Behaki, Hakim in his Mustadrak, Ibn Katid Sira, volume 1, page 190 of the English translation. So in this hadith, which is actually a hadith, it mentions that Qasim was the eldest. Then came Zainab followed by Abdullah Um Kultum, Fatima and Luqayya. Who was the first to pass? Qasim, then Abdullah. So what's happened to Tahir and Tayyib? This is confirmed by the following report. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Khatija gave birth from Rasulullah to two boys and four girls. Qasim, Abdullah, Fatima, Um Kultum, Zainab and Luqayya. Recorded by Yunus ibn Buqair and ibn Katid Sira, volume 1, page 191 of the English translation. So six are mentioned, six children. With regards to his blessed sons, Al-Zubair ibn Baqar, rahmatullahi said, It was Abdullah who was known as Al-Tayyib and Al-Tahir. He was given these appellations because he was born after the call of Nabuat. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Skhalani in his Al-Isaba 7-61, Hafiz Suhaili in his Ar-Rawd al-Unuf 1-123, Ibn Katid Sira volume 1, page 190 of the English translation. So this explains. Did he actually have three sons? And the answer is, according to many of the scholars, no. He actually had two sons, Qasim and Abdullah. But Abdullah was called the good and the pure. He was called Al-Tayyib, Al-Tahir, why? Because he was born after Rasulullah proclaimed the message. That's why not Qasim, it was uh, Abdullah who was given those appellations. Hafiz ibn Katir added, Rahmatullah, his other sons passed away before his mission. All his daughters were born prior to the call of prophethood and they emigrated with him. This is in Ibn Katid Sira, volume 1, page 190 of the English translation. So that's why not much is known about the sons. But all his daughters survived into Nabut, and of course, their narrations are famous. But according to some scholars, the two were sons apart from Abdullah, Tahir and Tayyib. Refer to Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Demishq, volume 1, page 108, 117 to 118. So, putting it simply, there is no doubt he had a son called Qasim. That's no doubt. There is no doubt he had a son called Abdullah. Tahir and Tayyib, that's where the doubt is. 
Some scholars say that is actually the appellation of Abdullah. They're not two separate sons. Other scholars say no, they were actually two other sons. Have you understood? So they, this is how they reconcile the various reports. In addition, with regards to Qasim, radiallahu, Hafiz ibn Kathir said, Uds say that Al-Qasim radiallahu, attained an age when he could ride, even on light swift camels, but then he passed away after the call of prophethood. This is in Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 1, page 190 of the English translation. So, how old must you be to write? So, obviously, in that society, you could be very young. So, five or six, you could probably write a, uh, a camel. So, Qasim, we can safely say, he reached the age of five, safely say that. Even older, possibly, six, seven. He passed away at that age, and the report says he passed away after Rasulullah had called the message. So he was born before Nabuat, but he passed away after Rasulullah had called the message. There is also the following narration which apparently confirms the fact Qasim passed away during the prophetic era. In Ibn Majah, number 1512, in the chapter on funerals, Hafiz Suhili in his Arroud al-Unuf related similar. Hussein ibn Ali, this isn't the grandson of the Prophet, this is another person, but he had the same name. Hussein ibn Ali, rahmatullahi, he relates. When Al-Qasim radiyallahu, Rasulullah's son passed away, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Khatija radiyallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Darrat lubaynatul Qasim, falaw kanallahu abqahu hatta yastakib, yastakmila rida'ah. Ya Rasulullah the milk of Qasim's mother is overflowing. Would that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had let him live until he had finished his breastfeeding. Rasulullah replied sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna itmama rada'ihi fil jannah verily he will complete his breastfeeding in paradise. She then asked لَوْ أَعْلَمُ ذَلِكَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم لَهُوَّنَ عَلِيَّ أَمْرًا If I know this, يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ It makes it easy for me to bear this. He صلى الله عليه وسلم responded إِنَّا شِئْتِ دَعْوَةُ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى فَأَسْمَأَقِ سَوْدًا If you wish, I will make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let you hear your son's voice. She replied, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Bal Usaddiqu Allah wa Rasul. Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Rather I believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and His Messenger. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So let's look at this. So where is it recorded? It's recorded in Ibn Majah. However, there is a weakness in the chain of transmission. So that doesn't mean it's false. <laughs> It just means due to the high levels of uh, scrutiny, it hasn't reached that level of purity. So we have to mention that. But it is recorded in one of the six famous collections and Hafiz Suhaili also records it in Raud al-Unf. And what does it mention? Qasim radiallahu lived into the lifetime of the prophethood. Why? Because what does it mention? When he passed away, Khatija was addressing Rasulullah with Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
He goes, the milk of Qasim's mother is overflowing. If only he would have lived until I finished breastfeeding him. So this indicates he was very young when he passed away. Two years suckling, so he passed away even younger, according to this report. So the Prophet you know, comforted her. He goes, he will complete his breastfeeding in paradise. Now look how interesting. Another of his sons was also completing his breastfeeding in paradise. Later on, Ibrahim. And that's in the Sayyid. So then she said, this makes it easy for me to bear, Ya Rasulullah. This is what you've told me. So the Prophet out of love for Khatija, what did he say? If you wish, I will make dua. If you're yearning to hear his voice, I will make dua. And she, look at the mountain of a woman she was. I'll tell you straight, which mother would not say yes to that? I want to hear my son. She said, Ya Rasulullah, Bal Allah wa Rasulah. I believe in Allah and His mess, meaning I don't need to hear this. I have absolutely no doubt what you've said. Why? Because if she had said yes to that, what would the people ignorantly have said? She had a doubt. The Prophet said something, but she wanted confirmation. But she said, Dika. She is the unblemished. So she goes, No. He goes, I have no doubt. So this indicates that the son passed away in the lifetime of Rasulullah. So all of this, is this just history for us? No. Because our beloved Messenger, he said that you must love my family more than your own family. That's a command in Hadith in Tabarani. He goes, teach your children to love my family. So there's two commands. One is you must educate yourself. And after you've educated, you haven't completed the command of the Prophet. Then you must teach it to your children. So now if it's a command, it means you need it like food and water. So why or how is this that important for us? Because if you don't know the family of Rasulullah, you're going to make serious errors. You won't really know about Khatija, so you might make silly statements about her. You might start saying, you know, taking family members away from Rasulullah. They were his children. So the response is, you learn and you're obeying the command of the Prophet. But the command is to love them more than your own family. How on earth can you love somebody else's family more than your own? You can. Rasulullah. Why? Because the companion said, we love whatever Rasulullah loves. Meaning we put our preference to one side. Abu Bakr Siddiq, did he show that? Yes. Remember when he entered and he heard Aisha's voice raised over Rasulullah and he stormed in. And he's about to slap Aisha and then the Prophet gets in the way. And Abu Bakr is trying to get around the Prophet to get to Aisha. But then eventually, you know, out of frustration, he just, you know, leaves the dwelling. And then Rasulullah said, didn't, didn't you see how I protected you from that man? <laughs> and then what happened? Time passed. Abu Bakr, obviously, he goes past the dwelling. Now he's peace. He has permission to enter. And then he says, allow me to enter your peace as I entered your war. And the Prophet said, I already have, O oh, Siddiq. <laughs> so now think that this hadith is in Abu Dawood, Sahih hadith. What, apart from the, you know, subhanallah of the hadith, what do we take from it? Did Abu Bakr love Rasulullah more than his daughter? Of course he did. It's like she didn't exist. Right? So why was he doing that? <coughs> so people said, mashallah, no, it's, it's a command. You have to love Rasulullah more than your own family. <laughs> so note again, 
how far we're from the mark. And, and the reason I say that, we don't even know who they are. If you go to a person, brother, I'm not going to put you on spot, but, you know, Rasulullah, just tell me who his children are. Watch him start squirming. Is that important? He goes, why is he getting angry for? Because he doesn't know. Then he starts guessing. Yeah. Abdullah. Yeah. Ibrahim. Yeah. All over the place. And Fatima. <laughs> And the other thing which is important to highlight, according to a Sayyid report, Fatima was not the youngest. Uncle Thum was the youngest. Or another report mentions it was the other blessed daughter. No, it was Uncle Thum. But again, famously, Fatima is known to be the youngest. So that's another thing we need to be aware of. According to an authentic report, Fatima was not the youngest. It was Uncle Thum, radiallahu and also, not all of these beloved family members passed away in the lifetime of Rasulullah. He had to go through the pangs of leaving them. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala was leaving him as an example for excellence. So when we go through grief and loss, we just remember Rasulullah. And if you know his family, it comforts you. Because he went through so much more, much more than me. <laughs> what am I grieving over? <laughs> right? And then you remember, and that's how you get that connection. And the beautiful thing about that, the Prophet said in Ibn Majah Sayyid, when you're going through afflictions and hardships, remember my affliction and hardships. It will make it easy for you to bear your own. And Abu Bakr Siddiq said, and your rewards will increase. So think about it. You lose somebody you love, you show patience, inshallah, you get a great reward. That reward is multiplied according to Abu Bakr Siddiq if you get comfort from Rasulullah <laughs> so there's another wisdom why we need to know the family members of the Prophet and of course it protects you from deviancy because the Ahlul Bayt have been hijacked <laughs> right who've hijacked them the Rawafit and the tragedy is very easily hijacked why because we don't even know who the family are we start discussing other, other wife Ahlul Bayt don't you even know that brother <laughs> right so again you know what to stay with so what I mentioned today was basically two things. One is how old was our beloved mother when she got married? And according to the authentic reports, mentions she was around 28 or 30 thereabouts. But the famous narrative is that she was 40. It doesn't matter. It doesn't take anything away from her greatness. Uh, and then we discussed married life before prophethood. And notice Khatija's desire that Rasulullah proclaims. Because as if she was insisting but of course she had to wait and she wanted Wadaka to confirm this radiallah. and then I mentioned of course uh, the blessed children from this unique marriage are there any questions you like to ask subhanallah bihamdi ismanaka lahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka adhi billahi minish anjim subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yisifun assalamu alayhi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillah rabbil alameen wal asr inna sallam lafi khusr alladhina amanu wa amilu sallam wa asr bil haq 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 wa asr bil